Schooled by Gordon Corman. Chapter 9. Name, Sophie Donnelly. My mother is the most generous, caring, good-hearted, sympathetic person in the world. She even chose a career devoted to helping people. She is a saint. I always knew that lousy attitude was going to get us in trouble one day. Still, never in my wildest nightmares could I have imagined myself living with a refugee from Bizarro World. The stuff he scraped off his feet alone would have been enough to get the house condemned by the Board of Health. God only knew that what was living in his hair and his clothes. I was amazed they didn't get up and walk away on their own. Mom insisted he was very clean. I told you about her, generous to a fault. He's been wearing the same stuff for the past three weeks, I accused. They just look the same because they're all cotton tie-dyes, she explained patiently. He has plenty of clothes. I drove out to Garland myself to pick up his things. I hope you brought extra shoes, too, I put in. Somebody hung a pair of corn husk sandals on the high voltage wires by the commuter line. I wonder who they belong to. I called Brad Pitt, but he's wearing his. Don't be unkind, she told me sharply. The way those kids are teasing Cap is inhumane, is inhuman. Have a little compassion. Have a little compassion for me, I said sulkily. Joss was just dropping me off while the freakazoid was scraping a third world country off his feet. You know what he said? Is that your brother, Sophie? What did you tell him? What could I tell him? I said it was a homeless guy. A person can dream. My solemn vow. Should Capricorn Anderson put the kibosh on my chances with Josh Weintraub? Not even mother's social worker training could save him. If Josh and I started dating, are you there, God? It's me, Sophie. There'd be no way to keep that space alien off the radar screen. I could have sworn there were six of him. Wherever I wanted to be, that's where he was. Squeaking the porch swing or hogging the kitchen table, eating those organic soy nuts mom bought for him. He'd even started watching my favorite show, Trigonometry and Tears, the high school soap opera. Because he had never seen TV before, he was a total addict who barked out warnings and advice to the characters on the screen. Will you shut up? I yelled, not for the first time. Even though he was embarrassed, he still defended himself. Nick doesn't know that Allison found out he's been seeing Corrine on the side. They're actors. It's a story. They can't even hear you. And he understood, sort of, but he didn't stop talking to the TV. It was just too new to him. How would I ever explain that to Josh? I needn't have worried. That relationship was over before it started. I probably should have told Josh that Cap was my brother, or maybe my husband. It would have saved me the most boring date of my life. To think that I had pulled strings and called in favors just to meet him. What a letdown. He talked about video games for three hours before telling me he was getting back together with his ex-girlfriend from Indiana. Rock on. So I wasn't in the best of moods when Josh took me home after the ordeal. There was only one thing that could have made this night any worse. FaceTime with my favorite Martian. He was waiting for me on the porch. Hi, where's my mother? Around the corner at the Peabody's, he told me. Quick, we should have just about an hour. I was wary. For what? To pick a few more staples out of your feet? He held up the car keys and jingled them in front of me. Driving lessons. I stared at him. Driving lessons? From a little squirt like you? Then I remembered what Mom had told me, that Cap had been arrested and released for driving without a license. At that lawless flower child camp day glow, they probably let you drive when your foot could reach the pedal without breaking the moisture seal on your training pants. I know your other lessons got canceled, he went on. Oh, thanks, mother. Someday I'll repay you by telling your personal business to every passing hobo. 
I felt betrayed, furious, and intrigued. My father was a total flake. He'd probably get around to giving me a lesson one day, but it would be pure random chance, and when and if it ever happened. And Mom's killer schedule didn't leave a lot of windows of opportunity. I wanted to drive. I needed a teacher, even if it had to be the freakazoid. I did a lot of things I promised myself I'd never do. I got in the car with him. I listened to him and did what he told me to do. That idiotic Zen hippie style of his turned out to be just right for a driving instructor. No matter what mistakes I made, it didn't seem to phase Cap, not even when I thought someone's driveway was a side street and turned into it. Honest mistake, said Cap, but rattled, I stepped on the gas instead of the brake. The Saturn burst forward. Suddenly, a white painted garage door loomed out of the darkness, coming up fast. I lost it. I didn't even have the sense to take my foot off the gas. I was in mid-panic when Cap reached over and yanked on the steering wheel. We swung around, the tires of the Saturn churning soft earth as we plowed into a flower bed. The rough ride slowed us down long enough for him to reach over and shift into park. The car lurched to a halt. Abdominal breathing, he ordered quietly, in through the nose, out through the mouth. But I almost... There's no almost, he lectured serenely. Only happened and didn't happen. This didn't happen. Get us out of here, I whimpered when my lungs refilled with air. You'll do that. It's a circular driveway. Just continue around. I was really panicking. Visions of an angry homeowner coming at us with a shotgun were whirling around in my head. I can't. It's too narrow and there are trees on both sides. I'll hit something. At that point, I didn't care if I never drove again. I just wanted to make it home alive in something that still resembled a Saturn. He was endlessly patient. This is the philosophy Rain passed on to me when she taught me how to drive our truck. I very nearly hit him. This is no time for your hippy-dippy wisdom. But there was no stopping Cap when the subject was the immortal Rain. She said, if the front gets through, the rest will drag. I stared at him. That's philosophy? Rain used it to drive a taxi in San Francisco before she formed Garland. I let out a nervous giggle and it relaxed me. I put the car back in gear and aimed the hood between the two trees. May mother never find out that I was piloting her precious Saturn on instructions from Rain, the face of so many of her childhood nightmares. When we reached the road, I was panting with pure relief. The freakazoid made me pull over while he went back and replanted all the flowers I'd spun up. I was so grateful I didn't even kill him. Surviving my first brush with disaster must have boosted my confidence because I was a better driver after that. In short order, I was tooling around the neighborhood with something approaching skill. Pretty soon, I even forgot that my learner's permit probably wasn't valid when I was in the car with someone even less qualified behind the wheel than I was. I was so wrapped up in the experience that it took me a few seconds to recognize the female pedestrian we just passed. My mother, I rasped. Oh man, we are so busted. He didn't seem to understand. Why? Think for once in your life. What does neither of us have? A driver's license, maybe? This was more serious than a few uprooted chrysanthemums. We were doing something highly illegal. If she catches us, I'll be grounded till I'm 40, and you'll be sleeping in the street. For the first time, he seemed to realize that we weren't playing by hippie rules. Obviously, Mom hadn't noticed her car because she, was, she wasn't sprinting after us, yelling. Hands trembling, I turned off the block and we switched drivers. I, have may, I may have been bugging out, but I have to say Cap was totally cool under pressure. We had to go out of our way to avoid passing Mom again, but he whipped that car around corners, through darkened streets, and up into our driveway. We sprinted in the back door and were on the couch in front of trigonometry and tears when she came in. She regarded us suspiciously. 
What? I immediately grasped the weak spot in our cover. Mother had left two teenagers at war, only to return home to a peace treaty. So I turned to Cap and snarled, Keep your split ends off my side of the couch. That seemed to mollify her. It was exactly the kind of thing I'd been saying to Cap ever since he'd arrived at her house three weeks before. But my heart wasn't in it that night. Chapter 10. Naomi Erlinger The bad news, Lena said she didn't have the hots for Daryl or for Grant Tubman. At least not until the infection in his tongue stud cleared up. The good news, she didn't come out and say she was interested in Zack. But how could she not be? He was by far the coolest guy at sea average, totally adorable, and the mastermind behind making Cap Anderson 8th grade president. Although I have to admit I thought stealing his shoes went a little too far. Zack didn't agree. Come on, what kind of person sits in front of his locker with his eyes shut, barefoot, and mumbling in some foreign language? He was practically begging for it. I consoled myself with the fact that they weren't even shoes. They were made out of some kind of dried leaves. Technically, we did cap a favor because the next day he showed up in real sneakers. We're bringing him into the 21st century, Zack insisted. His eyes looked so sincere and so blue that I just had to go along with it. I couldn't help myself. I kept on writing love notes from Lorelei Lumley to slip into Cap's locker. Dear Capricorn, I waited all day and was heartbroken when you didn't come. You must have thought I meant storeroom B376 of the middle school. Silly me, I was in storeroom B376 of the high school. There is no storeroom B376 of the middle school, but I guess you already know that. Please, please, please give me another chance. Meet me at... The rest was a giant tomato soup stain. I don't know about Cap, but it would have driven me crazy. Another note contained directions to a small courtyard off the library. There was only one door, and it locked as soon as it closed behind you. Poor Cap spent two hours in there until a custodian found him and set him free. I felt pretty awful about it, but my hands were tied. I was with Zack. We watched from a spot on the roof, expecting him to go berserk. He never did. He called for help a few times, but mostly he spent the day in the lotus position with his new sneakers off, meditating. I could sense Zack was a little frustrated that Cap wasn't putting on more of a show. Why isn't he yelling or crying or at least banging on the window, begging for rescue? To be honest, I couldn't explain it either. Cap was weird, but there was more to it than that. There was something inside him that nobody else understood, something mysterious and strong, not muscle-strong or fighting-strong, a kind of strength that gave him the self-control to meditate instead of falling apart, or to ignore what other people thought and find meaning in a dead bird. I couldn't say that to Zack, of course, so I tried to be supportive. Look on the bright side, I offered from our vantage point of the roof. He didn't go nuts, but he was down there a really long time. Zack was not consoled. Yeah, and we were up here a really long time. What's the point of pranking someone if the prank's on you as much as on him? He had a point. Cap Anderson was the ultimate eighth grade president. He fell for every gag, hook, line, and sinker, more than a Luke Simmerd or Hugh Winkleman ever would. There was only one problem. He wasn't reacting. You could harass him. You just couldn't upset him. Even when Zack told him that he was expected to plan the entire Halloween dance, he was mellow about it. Last year, that was what had put Luke over the edge. Cap just said, I've never been to a dance. He didn't even refuse to do it, but we knew he wasn't going to. That made Zack mad. We should have hung him off the wires, not just his sandals. I only had one class with Cap, math. 
He never opened his mouth, yet whenever the teacher called on him, he always came up with the answer. Zack claimed Cap was the dumbest kid in school, but he was really smart. He had no friends except maybe Hugh Winkleman, who had to be worse than nobody. Or maybe not. Those two ate lunch together every single day. It looked like Hugh did most of the talking, but that made sense. Cap was new, and surely he had questions about everything that was happening to him. He had no way of knowing that the person he was using as a guide was an even bigger outcast than he was. So he's friends with Winkleman. Big surprise, Zack sneered. Nobody normal would ever hang out with him. The stuff he does? What kid in a million years would ever want to do it with him? He had a point. Meditation wasn't big in middle school. When Cap wasn't in the lotus position in front of his locker, he was usually in the music room strumming a guitar and singing to himself. It was always 60s music, too. I recognized the Beatles and some of the folksier stuff you hear on the classic rock stations, and every morning he was out in the schoolyard performing these slow-motion, dance-like martial arts moves. Zach called it hippie ballet, but I thought it was kind of graceful and athletic. I asked Cap about it. It's Tai Chi, he explained. It develops balance through a blending of mental and physical energy. Yeah, but why are you doing it here, where everybody can see you? Zach demanded. Because if I do it where I live, somebody pours water on me. You could depend on that kind of comment from Cap. It might have made sense, but only to him. The whole thing was really starting to get on Zach's nerves. I'm going to break this kid if it's the last thing I do. I had to speak up. Is this really necessary? Can't we just switch to Winkleman or something? Winkleman isn't president, Zack insisted. It's too late to go back and change that. Anger didn't suit Zack. His jaw was stuck out, his skin flushed and taut. This wasn't the future boyfriend I'd always envisioned. We're eighth graders, he went on. This is supposed to be our year. I'm not going to give that up because some hairy Sasquatch stepped through a time warp from the 60s. He went to see Lena. She was the authority when it came to spreading the word and what Zack had in mind amounted to calling the entire eighth grade down on Cap. He was not to walk through a crowded hall without his feet being kicked out from under him. The cafeteria line was to become an obstacle course of tripping legs. He would be a living, breathing bullseye for spitballs, rubber bands, apple cores, and flying soup. It was open season on the eighth grade president, especially on the school bus, where there were no teachers, and the only rule is anything goes. Cap's reaction? He floated through it all like he didn't even notice anyone was messing with him. No, it went beyond that. He didn't notice anyone was messing with him. He wasn't happy, but he didn't look unhappy either. And here's the part I'd never admit to anyone, certainly not Zack. Deep, deep down, I was rooting for Cap to stick it to the back in all of our faces. For sure, we deserved it, especially me, because I was starting to know better.